stoked to talk about this album <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> This is the remix. Welcome to a discussion of Grace Jones's maxi single that she pretends is an album <laughs> on your is. favorite show. Think outside the box set, which is the internet's only outrage machine. And I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. This is season 22, episode seven. Whoa. I thought that Slave to the Rhythm mm-hmm. was going to be like the big album for some reason. It kind of is. Is that well, true? It's a big song. I think that's uh, the Slave to the Rhythm is her most successful song. Interesting. Or, like of all, I believe that's true. Uh so, <laughs> um, can I syn- synopsize this album? This is what I think this album is about. Uh huh. I think this album is about the mythology around Grace Jones. That's in the text. Uh, in one of the songs and but i think the whole thing is about the mythology of grace jones and mostly that part is other people talking about her uh, or interviewing her and just talking about what she's all about and the, the narrative around her and then every time grace jones sings it's about how she's a slave <laughs> 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 and yes. to me I don't know what to do with that, but it's it feels like it's like the album's like oh, it's like yeah, Grace Grace Jones is is this like mysterious, powerful like figure, and also we're uh, knowingly creating this narrative and around her, and every time we get to hear Grace Jones talk about it, she's like, oh yeah, you know. I'm a, I'm a slave. <laughs> like it's like blink twice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you need help. Um, mm-hmm. It's really weird. Like, I don't know how else to take this. Uh, it's all most of this albums. Yeah. Other people talking about Grace Jones. And then she basically, like you said, only has one song, which is slave to the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, and it's remixes. Uh, yeah. Re- yeah. This is a freaking girl talk. Um, joint, <laughs> except it's, Girl talk, all of one person's output, and the one person's yeah. output is one song. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, Cameron. I think this is the most avant-garde album we've covered on the show. I yeah, and we've covered we've covered some stuff. We've covered some bonkers <laughs> shit. Yeah, um, I mean, we covered the return of Bruno for Christ's <laughs> sake. <laughs> um. Yeah, let's see. Uh, uh, what else to say? Yeah, there's there's um, there's excerpts of Wikipedia says conversations with Jones about her life uh, conducted by journalists. I thought it was like interviews that had appeared elsewhere or something, but I guess maybe they were just for this album, which is okay. an interesting choice. It also features the actor Ian McShane, uh, Deadwood, cocksucker, that guy. Um, uh, he was in uh, ro- Rocket. What's it called? Bottle? No, not Bottle Rocket. What? He was in. A, he was in this this movie. Of, fuck. What's it called? Dadwood. <laughs> put a learning. It's Dadwood. It's an movie. Andy Samberg movie where he does like motorcycle Wait, was he tricks. In Palm Springs. No, that's no. J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, which one? It's this really stupid comedy, and Ian McShane is like the whole. Setup of the movie movies. is that Andy Samberg is going to do motorcycle stunts. Oh, to raise money. Yeah, yeah I forgot Rod. he's Thank in you. Hot Rod. He's the dad in Hot Rod, and his dad is Ian McShane, McShane's character is sick and is going to die, and he needs like a heart transplant. So he's like, "I'm going to do." Andy Samberg is like, "I'm going to do motorcycle stunts to mm-hmm. raise money to get you a heart transplant, so that you can be healthy enough, so that I can fight you and win your respect." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty funny concept, I think. That's a funny concept. It's not my favorite yeah. movie. Um, no. yeah, Ian, Ian McShane has been in some tons of stuff. He was in Shrek the Third. He was in one of the Pirates American of the Gods VN movie. He was in American Dogs, yes. Uh, and he's apparently in the John Wicks. Um, oh, yeah. I don't remember that. He guest started on an episode one. of Game of Thrones also. He played some priesty guy. Okay. 
Sounds um, about right. He's great. Yeah. He's, I don't know what he's doing on this album, pretending to be the frog. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I didn't finish the, the thought. Uh, he is reciting passages that are ostensibly from Jean-Paul Goud's uh, biography, which he lovingly and appropriately and very sensitively titled Jungle Fever. No, don't do it. Don't do that, Jean-Paul. No Maybe just don't. <laughs> you know, have you thought about not it doing it? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, he... I, there's, a, there's one sound sample of Jean-Paul Goud talking for himself with not through Ian McShane, where he says, I think, a really awful thing. <laughs> uh, and I have a sound sample of it. So we'll get that. We'll get to that, I think, in track two. More like Jean-Paul Mal or Mauvais. <laughs> Drag him. Drag him. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, speaking of him, the good guy, uh, he designed the cover, which is very upsetting. It the first thing the first thing I thought of when looking at it is like um, it looks like a stack of vinyl records that have been just like stacked on top of each other or like when yeah, you're at a newsstand yeah. and you see a bunch of magazines sort of like uh, right draped um, like fanned out and so if there's like a photo on the front it looks like the photo is just stretched out and par- portions of it are repeating and that's basically what the sound sample is doing with a photo of Grace Jones uh, her mouth and neck is just like stretched out in a very upsetting way it's challenging challenging she looks like one of the mummies from the mummy mm-hmm. or the mummy too mm-hmm. and they also uh, extended her hair as well um so it's got a, a little neat symmetry because like the hair is about as long as the neck so you know that's nice <laughs> just just as long oh, as there's boy. pleasing proportions in my yeah terrifying imagery <laughs> Well, is uh, there any any other backup around around this album that we should talk about? It's been a while. Background? It's been three years since her last album. In that time, she's been in two pretty big movies. Um, oh yeah, Conan the Destroyer, huh? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is that's the sequel, right? That's the second. Oh second yeah, and, the, Conan and she's movie. the Bond girl. Yep. Yeah, I think um, the Barbarian is the first one. Yes, I believe so. Um, is she a Bond girl? I thought she was a, a bad bad girl bad guy oh. I thought she was a villainess villain oh yeah fix. as the villain may day come on you can't even give well, her like a double a... entendre one like a sexy one <laughs> can't even objectify her come like, on likes trees or some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> environmentalism uh. has gone too far <laughs> um yeah but it's 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 a uh, it's just a baffling album considering that it's like just apparently apparently this is um Trevor Horn I guess um maybe was the guy who thought of this idea cuz he's the producer but the idea was that there would be a concept album that featured several radical interpretations of one title track and they originally were going to give that to Frankie Goes to Hollywood to follow up their hit Relax of Zoolander fame huh. Um, oh yeah the song that nobody had heard until zoolander the movie uh <laughs> yeah um i would I'll, I'll say that even though this is like barely an album and is really strange um i did enjoy some of the music in it mm-hmm. uh the instrumentation is really interesting mm-hmm. uh at one point there are it's obviously just a sampled sampled voices on a keyboard and they're just playing around and having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like uh, an orchestra in this and a choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot going on and there's it's, on. it's pretty engaging. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed listening to it uh, when I wasn't thinking like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Yeah. But yeah. usually you're not on bored. Speakers and Becca was like, what are you listening <laughs> to? What is this? <laughs> That's the thing. Usually you're not bored if you're asking what the fuck is happening. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. It's great. That's something. Do you want to talk about Jones the Rhythm? Yeah. Yeah.
That's so 80s. That like ultra dramatic, <laughs> like chromatic lockdown thing. It kind of reminded me of like like Trans Siberian Orchestra <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's it's a bit cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like these hits with a with like an electric guitar and a drum kit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what it reminded me of. It also kind of reminded me of Spinal Tap. Do you want to play that sound sample oh. that says this feels very Spinal Tap? Yes. <laughs> it's like Stonehenge. Yes. You'll probably have to crank the volume of that in post, um, by the way. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, there's the th- what's the line about like uh the druids nobody knew who they were or what they were doing (laughs) which is kind of true but also feels like a really dumb way to say it and there's a line about like the banshees live and they do live well (laughs) just like inexplainable i need to watch that again yeah axed yeah these are repeated lyrics like i mean there's a, a pretty narrow set of unique lyrics throughout this album because it is basically just one song. Um, but these lyrics do repeat elsewhere. Axe to wood in ancient times, man-machine, production line, the fire burns with heartbeats strong, sing out loud, the chain gang song. Uh, and then that leads to never stop the action, keep it up, keep it up, and then slave to the rhythm. Yeah, it's hard to tell in this album whether Jones is pro slavery in this context or (laughs) anti-slavery or neutral slavery when it comes to the rhythm Mm uh i i can't really tell like what her what her stance is Mm -hmm. i mean when i hear the word slave it's like oh bad Uh um but this is like just like a fun exciting song and it, it almost feels like well, maybe she's like, yeah, think, like, but what if slavery is fun and exciting? Hmm. <laughs> this song's kind of changing my mind. Yeah, it's like the vibe is like, oh, like life is like work, um, yeah. and we all have, and like, and work is life, and we're all just sort of a slave to it, and we have to like keep producing. Uh, but maybe that's fun and jazzy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm trying my best. This album's bonkers. Yep. And there's a, there's a quote. song. I don't know what to do with it. There's a quote that opens this song that maybe sheds some light or maybe shed some darkness, further obscurity on these matters. It's apparently a quote from the, the uh, biography Jungle Fever by Jean-Paul Goupe, spoken by Ian McShane. Rhythm is both the song's manacle and its demonic charge. It is the original breath. It is the whisper of unremitting demand. And to that I say, only a French person writes those kinds of sentences and calls it a biography. Purveyor of the oldest secret. Alive with the blood that boils again. It is, and is pulsing where the rhythm is torn apart. Lacerations yeah, echo I, in the mouth's open erotic sky where dance together the lost frenzies of rhythm and an imploring immobility. This is not only written on the influence of French culture, it's written on the influence of cocaine. Or as they say in France, I, la cocaine. La <laughs> cocaine. Um, I want to go out on a limb here and speak from the heart, which mm-hmm. might be wrong. Because it sometimes is. Mine specifically. Wrongs what it wrongs. Um, I think that the idea that um, that melody and pitch are higher functions in, uh, in sociological, musical, uh, cultural terms, and rhythm are, represents baser functions. At least in like Western um, music. Well, I think that I think that this is an idea that people in Western culture have mm-hmm. that that rhythm is something that is kind of more primitive and comes from a more uh, it's it's like part of the humors or something, you know? Like it's, it's not it's like not even half a step away from just like jungle beats of savagery. Like it's it's, it's yeah, there's, a, there's it's like just some like unexamined like prejudice still there 
Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, rhythm. You mean like drums? You mean like heathens? <laughs> like it's it's like <laughs> just that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is is so bizarre to me because mm-hmm. um, Western music is profoundly rhythmic mm-hmm. and uh, every, music from everywhere else is profoundly pitched. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's all pitched and there are pitch systems in every tradition of music, you know? And it's like, uh, I mean, there's this great video. Hopefully I can find it. Um, I'll put a note in the learning links and I'll look for it. So look there. Cool. Um, it's like a, it's like a pub in Germany or Austria or somewhere. And it's, uh, this man playing like a tabletop zither Mm -hmm. and like part of it is fretted and it's kind of set up like a little um, dulcimer almost Mm -hmm. or like a lap steel. I think that might be one of the instruments that the dulcimer like developed out of, or they had a common ancestor or something. Yeah. And, uh, and then the rest of it is kind of like a harp, Mm -hmm. but it it lays flat on the table. And, um, and then there is a man and a woman and they are yodeling, to each other and making unwavering eye contact while yodeling. And it's like, and they're middle-aged and like, um, sounds hot. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was going to say they're middle-aged, but it's hot. That's not what that, and that's a <laughs> shitty way to like, um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> they're German, but it's still hot. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, they're like, I wouldn't say that like it that it is coded to be like a a moment of sexual tension, but it absolutely is. Mm. Um, they're mm. like yodeling with unwavering eye contact, looking at each other, and there's the zither player. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make, mm. all right, is that the rhythmic pocket of this folk music that they're doing is incredible. Like, uh, it's it's so engaging. There's this like there's this lift and this lilt to it that is absolutely untranscribable mm-hmm. and it's so compelling. And it's like, there are, I don't, I don't know why there are, there are people who still have this idea that like, you know, modern music is uh melody, the sophistication of our melodic uh, and harmonic um, sciences of, mm-hmm. of the West mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that we like deign to apply those to the more primitive, like rhythms of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And, but, and we, but as long as we appropriate them and put them to these melodies, then it's like, it's like, no, every, all folk music is rhythmic and pitched mm-hmm. and has harmonic or, or melodic tension and has rhythmic tension and release. And, Everyone's making great music uh, as long as it's um, coming from folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, there are people who are now considered white who have profoundly rhythmically sophisticated music uh, and melodically and harmonically sophisticated music. And there are uh, people who are now not considered white or at various times haven't been considered white who also, you know, it's like, I've had this conversation too. This is the flip side of it. Mm -hmm. Like I've, you know, fucking uncle Terry at Thanksgiving is like, I just don't really get rap music, you know, cause it's not really music cause it doesn't (laughs) have a melody. Uh And it's like, I've gone on this rant on the show before, but it's like, have you transcribed it before? (laughs) I have. I've professionally transcribed hip hop music before, and I can tell you, rappers rap on pitches, and there there are pitches and scales that they are rapping on, and uh, and they are choosing the notes that they rap, uh, that they that they are choosing the pitches and the tones um, with intention. Mm-hmm. It is not a you know like it's. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not talk singing. It is not like Bob Dylan talk singing. Ha. Uh, uh, it you should is tell him, you should tell him more Dylan, melodically I, I sophisticated I don't get Bob Dylan. That. It's just not even music. Like there's no <laughs> melody. I think, I honestly think there's a stronger argument for some, for some Bob Dylan songs that it's not music than, uh, I think it's ultimately, I, I don't believe that, but yeah. like by those terms, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, this idea 
of rhythm being sort of this like primal thing, I think is just uh stupid. And mm-hmm. it's one of it's one of those racist ideas that is more than it is offensive, it's pointless. <laughs> you know, and that's uh-huh. like the real tragedy of it. And it's like it's like not even close to true. So that's my take on the whole rhythm pitch divide. Yeah. Uh and I think that's some of what Grace Jones is engaging with on this album, but it's really unclear to what end or like what she's trying to accomplish. Um, There is some like really fun sort of puncturing of uh, her aloofness. This song ends with um, her choking on saliva. I have a sound sample of that if you want to get it. Where is outro? Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Grace Jones, welcome. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) If you're wondering what's wrong with my voice, I just choked on my saliva. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, you're in the Bond movie. (laughs) I love that he just, like, ignores her completely when she's like, I just choked on my saliva. And he's like, now, obviously, you're in the Bond movie. And then he gets cut off. (laughs) We get the human moment, and we do not get the interview bit about the whatever James Bond movie. We've talked a little bit about adorkability on the show before, mm-hmm. um, specifically with like Taylor Swift, and uh, I feel like this is an a, an adorkable moment where she's just like, "Oh, I'm choking on my saliva. I'm having a moment with my body that isn't um, that doesn't reflect on me in a way that." I'm not behaving in a way that I'm supposed to. Yeah. Isn't that cute? But mm. it is not. Be- he's like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, let's talk about the Bond movie. <laughs> he's not prepared. She's proto, proto adorable. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the first time anyone's used that word to describe Grace Jones. Adorable. <laughs> proto, proto adorable. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, yeah, I think there's an element of it there. I think she knows the effect that she's having uh, by, like, eschewing certain standards of femininity. I mean, she's talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, And not only that, but just, like, I don't know, the the power of just having an unguarded moment. Yeah. Power Um, of the dog. The dog power of the moment of the spit of the throat. Um, now cameron why would you bring up the power of the dog okay okay yeah i thought you were setting me up i wanted to bring i wanted to bring that up uh because nathan and i talked about the power of the dog in our weekly bonus show what's in the box weekly yes and that's for patreon supporters of this show so if you support for a very reasonable amount less than most I would say Patreons of podcasts are asking for these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you support the show, you can get an extra show every week. Yeah. It's only and- $40 a month and you get access to <laughs> a show that ranges from 20 to 40 to 60 minutes. Sometimes Nathan, you're going to give them sticker shock. That's not what it's for. What? It's like, I mean, give it, you can give that if you want, if that's nothing to you, 40 bucks a month. <laughs> you would almost be doubling the amount that we're currently making. Um, so yeah, uh, support the show. Yeah. And you'll get like, uh, almost like, Oh, oh, I think over 200 episodes probably at this point or near, uh, of bonus content. And we talk about cultural stuff. And most of the time it's like movies or TV shows or books. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a, it's a little more outside the box, video, video games, recipes. Phrases and it's concepts, it's the things, it's the things that we want to talk about in review, uh, as opposed to <laughs> this um, dumb bullshit. The things we that we've committed <laughs> to talking show about that we review. hate to do, <laughs> <laughs> full of dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, what I, should I we say about the the fashion show? It's the same song. Uh, yes. So let's listen to it again. 
It's like the extended slow groove remix. Yeah, uh, keep it up. This rem- I, I think this is the the track that has things to me that are very like fundamentally eighties. Like I think this is the one that has like very uh, reverby claves in it, or maybe that's a different one. I mm. don't know. Um, and yeah, the drums that sound like they're mic'd in a different room. Mm-hmm. That's like a hallway. Uh, I don't know what to say. Is about that the a music. Phil Collins thing? Wanna... Is he the one that started doing that? I wonder. Yeah, I think it's a great sound. I love that. I kind of mm-hmm. wish that people were still doing that. I think it sounds so great. There's something, especially like really noisy but super tightly compressed drums, that can sound really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I mostly want to talk about the quote at the end of yes. this, which I think is uh, fucking sucks. And we should talk about it for a while. And maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Jean-Paul Goud, a uh, master of sensitivity, uh, delicately handles all the racial like issues or subtexts surrounding his dating of a black Jamaican woman. Uh, and here is a prime example of it. I mean, all black people would just go like, do it to me, suck it to me, and all that stuff. And there she was, you know, singing that, you know, what was in French. That was great, you know. So I thought, what a wonderful um, uh, perspective. No, I never saw her at a fashion show. Wow, he takes so long to get to. Yikes, yikes, yikes. What a wonderful... Pause, 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 pause. Perspective. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to like do a little, a little bit of benefit of the doubting uh, for good. Just a little bit. Cause I think that there's something here that is worth talking about, which mm-hmm. is um, when you, when one is marginalized in some way, there is a certain set of behaviors that are expected for you to to fit into um mm-hmm. there's like certain kind of corners that's like okay yeah i get it you're and then as good would say uh you know the do it to me suck it to be like what, <laughs> his his impression of what uh black music was not black and music cameron all black people all black people <laughs> musical or otherwise they yep. were all constantly saying do it to me suck it to me i mean that's just what Jesus. aabe is is just different yeah. inflections of do it to me suck it to me <laughs> it's a very tonal language like <laughs> oh my god god damn uh and so i think that there's like something there that is that to credit grace jones with which is saying like that she she is someone who wanted to do things that were outside of her uh, given lane. Yeah, she pushed. She tried to push the envelope for sure. Yeah, and I think that there is something special there, and I want to give Grace Jones credit for that. And I, and to in a, in a very modest way, in a, mm. <laughs> uh, I want mm. to, I want to say that I think that. Good is trying to say that. Uh, and I think he's saying it in the worst way. And I think where he goes from there is where it gets really problematic. Um, um I, hmm. I'm not sure how much of the benefit of the doubt I want to give him personally. Um, especially cause he phrases I'm saying it. That that initial observation, I think that there is something there and, uh, um, so you're saying that he's trying to put his finger on the fact, like, here's what black people have been allowed to do in, in like pop culture. And here's Grace Jones being able to, or like, you know, f- f- for somehow accomplishing doing something very different. Yeah. I think it's, I think based on this quote, it's likely that his attitude is actually like, 
most black people aren't capable of this and mm-hmm. um and all they know it you know as opposed to looking at this as an example of um daring and and uh you know like uh, code switching or mm-hmm. or something uh, i think it's more just like oh this one is actually very interesting i think that's sort of it kind of seems like that is his attitude. Yeah. Um, it's also just like inherently supremacist to, to yeah. be like, <laughs> to be like, Oh, isn't this nice that she's able to sing La Vie en Rose? Because as we all know, French is the most superior language on earth and French culture is la di 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 hoi di to di da. And yeah. here's the thing, Cameron, there are black French people. There are black people uh, who yeah. speak French. There are black people who sing <laughs> La Vie en Rose. Uh, and there were, even at this time. Um, yeah. I, uh, and not only that, but Sakatumi is most famous in uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin, which fucking slaps. Yeah. And yeah. is probably a better song than La Vie en Rose. <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree. That, that's uh, probably a hot take, and it's really weird to compare the two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Good would do that other than racism. Yeah, uh, I, or as he would I say, guess, le racisme. <laughs> I guess the the point I'm trying to make is like I think he's true. I think he's bad at racist and really problematic, <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk about that specifically in the next track because uh, he. Uh, fucking calls the cops on himself basically Um, (laughs) he tells on himself Uh, but I think he's trying to say hey this is something that is unique and this is something that is novel and that there is some power in it Um, and I think that hypothetically in an alternate universe uh, there is someone who is um, who is able to see something novel and uh uh approach it with respect and in the you know the ability to enjoy and be interested and curious about something that is novel to you mm-hmm. and um <laughs> and and also be respectful of it at the same time here here's a personal story Ooh. uh in my uh in my podcast uh, get up in the cool early on I had one of my closest friends, Bach Bowie, on the show. And the way that I asked him this question, I, I cringe at, I, cr- I cringe about when I think about it. Cause like, this is not the way that I wanted to ask it. Mm-hmm. But I said, uh, in that episode, could you, I, I said, why did, uh, three Vietnamese boys raised from immigrant parents, why did why did you and your brothers want to learn American traditional music? And what I was trying to get at in that question was this is a music, you know, this is a culture that maybe would seem like you would be excluded from or not celebrated for for participating in. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe you wouldn't see yourself represented in it and not want to like participate in it because Mm -hmm. of that um not to mention what about ton of like american people have no interest in uh this american folk music and it's a question that fuels a lot of your podcasts like asking everybody like how did you get into this music yeah why why (laughs) yeah what are you doing are you doing this thing that simultaneously like sort of like demonized and fetishized and like what are your motivations explain Mm -hmm. yourself yeah so yeah if i were to like do that interview again and like ask it with like newer language. Um, I think I, I think I would ask like, um, were you concerned as a young Vietnamese boy that you would be, uh, punished in some way for participating in this music or that you would get bullied or that you would have to endure microaggressions. Uh, and, if so, if you were concerned about that as a boy, um, what about this music made it seem worth it to endure all that? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's like a question that's not just like, well, three Vietnamese brothers playing, you know, fiddle and 
<laughs> fiddle and guitar and mandolin music. Like, what are you, what are you doing? That's novel. And yeah. that's like how it mm-hmm. came across at the time. And, uh, I don't know. I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, I think novelty and curiosity is interesting, but mm-hmm. I think that it is a feeling that could be really nice. That is one of the most mishandled <laughs> feelings of pleasure yeah. from, um, people in power. Mm-hmm. And I think that John Paul Goode's relationship with Grace Jones is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. I think you're onto something there, Cam. Yeah. I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for like, Oh, this kind of person is doing this kind of thing that doesn't like fit with my preconceived notions or biases or to put it like perhaps with more generously, like my experience, like in my experience, I don't see a lot of this kind of person doing this kind of thing. And you, that can be a very positive thing. Like, Oh, that's great that they're doing this. Um, but if you phrase it in such a weirdly supremacist way, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, I I guess what I'm trying to do is like I'm trying to imagine like, um, is there something pure here that is worth you know saying like, hey, up until this point you were doing fine. Like mm. I thought that it was interesting that Grace Jones chose to put Lovey and Rose in her mm-hmm. first album and to do a disco arrangement of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I don't know anyone who's done that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, par- and part of my interest in that is like, this is Jim Jamaican born uh, black woman uh, raised in America. Like, why is she doing this? Mm-hmm. This isn't it. This is as good would say an interesting perspective. Uh, what motivates someone to do this? Uh, but my attitude definitely wasn't like, you know, because, Black people in general are like socket to me, socket to me. <laughs> like, like that's like yeah. Uh, even just like re-experiencing <laughs> hearing it again is like ugh. um yeah, fucking sucks. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, uh, the frog and the princess next. Yeah, here we go. I was amazed when I first saw Grace Jones. She was the first to take radical fashion out of its predictable Parisian context and bring it into the music scene where I had always thought it belonged. <laughs> A good for Sardis. <laughs> I already had decided to work with her. <laughs> that night. So this, this, I think, reflects better on him and the way he regards Grace Jones. At least these first couple sentences. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. He is... This is a better way of phrasing that like um, trailblazer or novelty aspect of what she's doing. She was the first to take radical fashion out of its predictable Parisian context and bring it to the music scene where I had always thought it belonged. Great. Love that. Yeah. What do you think of the gay Bobby Soxes? (laughs) I don't know what that means. I I bet it's good. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's... I don't know what Good's sexuality is specifically. Um, I mean, yeah, the the quote is, That night she was singing her hit song, I Need a Man, to a room full of shrieking gay Bobby Soxes. Shrieking is a bit of a loaded word there, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I think he is trying to invoke a stereotype uh, for its power and and to to do some scene setting. Right. Um, he's doing it in a way that is crass yeah. and not very nice. Um, a lot of it also, also depends on what the fuck Bobby Soxes means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just looked it up on Urban Dictionary. No definition. Interesting. Um. The reason she's the reason he's talking about this is he goes on to say the ambiguity of her act was that she herself looked like a man, a man singing. I need a man to a bunch of men. I could see how the average guy could get a little scared by her physical. uh, Then he goes on. Um, But he's he's talking about like her. She's doing this really interesting thing, which is 
being in some ways this feminine avatar, uh, like diva kind of character for for gay men, mm-hmm. but offering masculinity, um, more masculinity than a typical sort of diva would represent, so that they could she could be an avatar for these gay men mm-hmm. um, because of her androgyny, I guess, at the time. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think a Bobby Soxer might refer to like a young person, like an adolescent or like like a, a young person stereotypically in like high school or college, like wears Bobby socks or something. Okay. I think that might so, be what he's getting at. I don't know. Like, that's less so he's, offensive he's than I thought it was. Like, you know, a bunch of he, he was seeing her effect on like a, you know, a bunch of fangirls, you know. Like Yeah. It does seem mostly kind of fanning themselves and like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Grace yes. Jones. It does seem to be a yeah. term that is mostly applied to girls, so that's a bit problematic. That part of it, but. yeah, shrieking. Yeah, he's like yeah. fem, 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 fem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a world in which you could like apply that. It's like, well, great, you know, like these men who have a space to uh, behave in this way uh, mm-hmm. without repercussion. You know, right. I mean, that's great, but we don't have any reason to think that good thinks that's great. Yeah. <laughs> specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, and then in the, in the space of this paragraph, this couple long minute, uh, a couple minutes long song, he is, ba- he basically like falls in love with Grace Jones and then their relationship falls apart. Basically. He sums up a lot of stuff. It, this does not seem yeah. like a very well-written biography. <laughs> honestly (laughs) to sum up like these years of your life what you might be best known for like your collaboration with grace jones and just like ah you know we fell in love and then we sort of drifted apart and that's the end bye yeah the thing that i think is interesting in this uh i think i have a sound sample of this do you want to play it i do want to play it hysterical romance developed between Grace and me. But I ran out of money and realized I had to stop all this bullshit. I don't like to work. Here's, here's the kicker. I had this idea of using Grace as the ideal vehicle for my work. Yeah, so basically he's like, I had this romantic uh, fling with Grace. It was getting in the way of my work, so in order for me to be able to keep this thing going with Grace, I was like, I'm going to make money off of you, Mm -hmm. uh, or else this isn't sustainable. I think that's interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of phrases it in like the classical terms of like, oh, she's my muse. But then he's like, I was running right. out of money and I needed to do work. And I was like, well, what if my work can be Grace Jones? And yeah. And he referred to his phil- like philandering or whatever with her as bullshit. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, this th- sounds like you're having a lovely time he says <laughs> with it, this woman. You it's know? a romance. Well, it's bullshit. It's a romance. They're having fun. They're going out dancing every night. And he's like, bullshit. He's like, that's bullshit. But my art is, you know. <laughs> not bullshit <laughs> yeah <laughs> his art is very interesting but, it is yeah and and i w- and i will say more interesting than just the model he's working with like the compositing right. stuff that he's doing yes. is stunning you mm-hmm. know and the ways like he manipulates them i mean uh, that's not a great word to use but like when he takes like a photo and then chops and screws it basically and achieves yeah. these like inhuman poses and stuff that still sort of look plausible is a very striking like approach um yeah so they had a son they do they still do (laughs) well they had (laughs) they had to have a son (laughs) yeah the act of having meaning conceiving and giving birth to yes what i mean they had sex yeah yeah (laughs) uh he says, Grace let me take her over completely. That feels, Oof. again, related to the, I'm a slave. <laughs> I'm a slave to the rhythm. I feel like you could write, like, a doctoral thesis on the interplay of, like, the dynamics here and, like, what Grace Jones is trying to say with some of this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of layers, I think. 
But the, but then he says, but then I discovered that what I was making was speeding too far beyond what was there. By the time our one-man show hit reached the U.S., I knew I'd lost her. So this is where it gets exciting for me, because I know that we have, like, a handful more albums mm-hmm. after this. And I don't know how involved Good is after this, but I'm I'm excited to hear... I feel like this this album isn't really about Grace Jones, and it's not from her perspective, really, in mm-hmm. the way that the last couple have been, where right. she's starting to get personal and talk about, you know, her life, um, you know, being fetishized by all these, like, weird Frenchies and their art. <laughs> and English people. One with a very yeah, strong Liverpudlian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I know you got to go to the airport soon. What else do you want to talk about in this album? Uh, we could we could skip through Opera Attack uh, because there's no lyrics. Then we got to talk about Slaves to the Rhythm, of course. And then mm, not there's sure. one part in Opera Attack that I think would be in. Like, will you play the sound sample of that? Slave to the rhythm. Slave to the rhythm. Slave to the rhythm. That's your sound sample, right? Yeah. Okay. Is this the the same one? Oh no, that's not. Yeah. Um, That's great. I'm glad you played a general one. Uh, Most of the most of it is that (laughs) kind of thing. Yes. Uh, Will you will you play my sound sample? Yes. Think about them. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of fond memories there. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love that she's, like, she's in this, like, interview, and she, she's talking about Lovey and Rose and how she thinks about French lovers uh, and when she sings the song. And then the interviewer says, so lots of fond memories then. And Grace says... Uh, I'm yes, and then there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yes, <laughs> and, yeah. and slave, 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 slave. Yeah, so fond memories. Slave, slave, slave. <laughs> it's, yes. it feels so like. What are you trying to tell me here? It feels a bit pointed, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. All right. Let's uh, talk should about we listen to the actual the song? titular song? Slave to the rhythm. Yeah, so we get more uh, chain gang imagery. Build on up, don't break the chain. Sparks will fly when the whistle blows. Fire burns, hearts beat strong. Sing out loud the chain gang song. Um, uh, Build on up, don't break the chain. Sparks will fly when the whistle blows. Uh, Yeah, you work all day and men who know the wheels must turn to keep the flow. Uh, The star making machinery behind the popular songs in the words of uh, Joni Mitchell. Hmm. Free Man in Paris? Sufjan covered it. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to say. I mean, it's mostly the same song. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's pretty much the same song. The song's so nice, they played it twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, the next track yeah. is all just kind of quotes to yes. a beat. Interview quotes. There was nothing that indicated the grace of the star except her deep conviction. That quote is <laughs> so weird. It's really weird. So offensive. Jones. Miss Grace Jones. I'm so much more interested in Grace Jones's take on Grace Jones than everyone else's take on Grace Jones in this album. Yes. And I think that's part of her take on Grace Jones is that she's like, hey, these people are have like weird fetishistic ideas about me. Yeah. I mean, I and like, again, I enjoy the production on this album. I think it's like 
pretty interesting to listen to, but the actual content of it is like, give me more actually grace talking about herself. I am. I enjoy yeah. that a lot more. Um, and I like her reflecting on the mythology that other people are building around her more than the mythology. Yeah. I think I would have liked it better if there had been more songs on it. <laughs> like if, uh, yeah, <laughs> if the quotes and like the, the interview segments and stuff, if that was like contrasted with her songs, I think that would be stronger. I mean, it's definitely like a pretty strong statement to keep repeating over and over again, like slave to the rhythm. Um, so there's like a, a certain power in just like repeating that. Um, yeah. But I, I still wish there were more songs. Yeah. I don't uh, have much else to say on the rest of this album. I have some sound sample for track eight that says, uh, what the actual fuck dude. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> he mm, probably said some other whack thing. Do, is there anything else you want to talk about before then? Uh, nope. Uh, let's All listen right. to a sound set. Cause it's, it's another basically remix, but uh, it's a good one. I like this remix. I don't know. She kind of recontextualizes the line slave to the rhythm and makes it a verb, which is an interesting Mm. uh, choice. Yeah, that is interesting. She goes breathe to the rhythm, dance to the rhythm, work to the rhythm, live to the rhythm, love to the rhythm, you slave to the rhythm. Well, I guess it could be like an address. Like you should breathe, you know, you slave to the rhythm. That's who you are. Um, But I, 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 I think it is, is is another like imperative, like, or like a description of like life. You breathe to the rhythm. You love to it. You live to it. You slave to it. Yeah. Um, That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of imagery about just never stopping, keeping the wheels turning. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, the lyrics, there's a lot of like, interesting like little nuggets and like moments and stuff but it it doesn't really like pull together for me super well as a song i'm looking at the music video right now i'm pretty sure i'm seeing someone in blackface oh a white person it is hard to tell in the shots that i'm looking at um let me see if they show up again (laughs) uh it definitely looks like an artificially Oh, it looks like someone's corked up, but it's like they're far enough away from the camera that yeah, it's pretty low res, and and it's low res, so it's it's hard to hard to say. Oh yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of like vaudevillian imagery and or like you know turn of the century like yeah. performance art and stuff, which included a lot of blackface. Um, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a lot of like kind of like nudity in this as well. Yeah, there's some this re- is kind like, of an interesting video. Pretty explicit references to Josephine Baker. Um, yeah, only oh the- yeah, this is a white this is a white person oh, oh. <laughs> who's in blackface. Oh, I see. This is fully a white person. I can see it now. Oh my god. Oh yes, I see it too. Yeah, I hmm. But then they have a hmm, black indeed. person. They have a black person in white face. As if I don't, I hope they're not trying to suggest that that is uh, equivalent in some way. It's like racism in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, what? The, a topless black woman sticks her head in a cannon, gets blasted with a, with a bunch of white powder from the cannon, and then has like a blonde wig on and like a real Marilyn Monroe look. This is oh, wow. really weird and bizarre. Uh, talk about the issues (laughs) yeah oh my god and there's at the end there's like a guy flying around uh from a balloon with a propeller cap and he's like shooting something into somebody's pot yeah this is like the music video equivalent uh of a of like a white man saying well you know like race is all a construct (laughs) (laughs) oh boy yeah this is uh I kind of see what he's did. <laughs> did Jean Paul Goud direct this video? I don't know. It seems like his style. It certainly has a lot of his visual imagery. Um, it literally like features some of his photos and album uh. covers and tableaus and stuff. 
And I think this video is actually slave to the rhythm and not. Oh. Uh, it largely consists of gentlemen previously seen Mr. footage Jones. using excerpts from Jones's previously released music videos, My Jamaican Guy and Living My Life, as well as the documentary A One Man Show. Okay. And a car ad, apparently. All right, um, fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird. So I guess it's like a, a, a mash. It's also a remix. It's a mashem up of previous videos, which maybe we're more successful in their treatment of some of this extremely charged imagery, but coming from mm-hmm. John Paul I kind of doubt it. Uh, well, do you want to play this um, oh, yeah. sound sample I took? I don't remember <laughs> what I had to say. Oh, I remember now. Oh, shit. Oh, it's so quiet. I can't hear it. I, talk, I talked over it. Play it again. And then we write, we do a film about the life of Grace. Okay, Jones. I gotta boost the volume. I can okay. hear it. <laughs> okay, I think this will boost on the recording too. Okay. Maybe we should kill her. <laughs> and then we write, we do a film about the life of Grace Jones. He's saying, maybe we should kill her. And then we write, we do a film about the life of, J- of Grace Jones. Right. I, th- I feel like this kind of sums up. Good's attitude towards uh, the humanity or lack thereof of, of Grace Jones from his perspective. She's just an object that he can yeah. like use in his art. Oh boy. Yeah. That's like, that's that weird. Like, I don't know. That's, isn't that essentially what, um, is it the stranger? There's like a, a, a Camus novel. That's like kind of about that where right. um, the guy becomes like so disconnected from reality and from humanity that he just kind of sees this other person as like only a prop in his own story. And then he's just, he kills him. Uh, basically as how I kind of remember it. It's been a long time. (laughs) I think it's called the stranger. Um, but that's sort of the vibe I get off this Jean Paul good guy where he's like, yeah, she's just here to like, uh, be, be a bit part in my story. And if it makes my story better to kill her and then my story can yeah. be enriched by my making a film about her, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Out of uh, a laundry list of, of damning statements in this album from good. I, I feel like this is the, the mm-hmm. nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I hope that we have less good in the future. And I, I feel like there's signs of, they're being less good. Less good, more bad. Less, less. good, more bad. <laughs> Be gay, do crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we've got Island Life next, um, which came out the same year as Slave to the Rhythm, which kind of makes sense because Slave to the Rhythm is really only like one song. Um, so maybe Island Life is more of this year's full length. Um it has a very striking cover by Jean-Paul Goud, so I wonder how involved he is in the other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, until that time, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Uh, get on our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, we've been having some good times. I was talking on there recently about the band Belly and how I went through like an inexplicable like New England. <laughs> yes new england uh indie rock phase uh of which one of the things i think is worth salvaging from is the band belly because they kind of kick ass Uh, and i think i like them better than throwing muses i don't know if that's a hot take uh how dare you oh no oh no i've kicked the hornet's nest Ah. (laughs) (laughs) you can support our show in a couple different ways, you can go so on to the iTunes. One thing about fan of, fans of uh, indie rock music is they care so much. <laughs> They're so passionate. They're so virile with their with their love. They're just swollen and, with affection. Not that they care, <laughs> and that they feel pleasure from the music that they listen to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all about the music, baby. <laughs> That's what they constantly say to each other, Daddy O. <laughs> Uh, you can support our show in a couple ways write us a review on iTunes is a good one free Uh, you can support us even more direct oh here's another free one actually tell people about the show spread the word hey be like there's this podcast and there's there's people and they talk about like music and stuff and you should listen and download it Um, and you can support us even more directly 
by going to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. Kick us a few bucks. Uh, you'll get access to our bonus materials that Cameron uh, lovingly laid out in detail earlier this episode. Um, the other thing you should do, listen to Cameron's other podcast, support Cameron's Kickstarter. Well, Cameron oh, and yes. his uh, Cameron and their band, uh, the Tall Poopy String Band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you ever have a tall poopy? <laughs> uh they are making new time old time and it's true gonna be great i supported it listen so you all should check it out and maybe you should support it too i would recommend it it's a good album i've heard it it's good Mm -hmm. you'll like it (laughs) all right well until that time i've been nathan hunt and i'm proto proto adorkable and i've camera do it and i'm a shrieking bobby soxer (laughs) Need a man. <laughs> I think that's one of the uh, the slurs that the queer community should reclaim. Shrieking Bobby Soxer, like the lavender <laughs> menace, or uh, I think some people are trying to you know reclaim fag or whatever. Um, yeah, we should just all get tattoos that say "Shrieking Bobby Soxer." <laughs> it's evocative. <laughs>